Hello, this is Rehaba Malik and you're listening to Cue the Music. A music podcast where I talk to strangers from all over the world about music, the music they like, the music they're currently listening to, their favorite albums and much more. In this episode, I talk to Beatrice from Sao Paulo. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah, I can hear you now. You, you can hear me properly? Yes, I can. Oh, At last. Finally, finally. Hi, Beatrice. <laughs> right, it's just a, just a question. Is it, does it get louder when I speak like this? Or is it the same? It's the same. It's the same. Okay, so I'm not using the, the earphones microphone. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wonder why I wonder why I worried. <laughs> All right. How are you? So nice to meet nice you. To, nice to talk to you too. How are you? I'm alright. Yeah, in, in spite of everything, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> what about you? I've been doing well. Like thankfully, in spite, like you said, in spite of everything, doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm just keeping really busy and then not thinking about the apocalypse <laughs> and that works okay. <laughs> keeping your mind off things. Yeah, surprisingly, I've, Pretty much. I've been busy too. I, I did not expect to be so busy during quarantine because for the beginning 15-20 days they were pretty chill but now it's been pretty hectic. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I spent around a month, I think, just doing things very slowly, watching a lot of shows with my sister, and in general, kind of vacationing. (laughs) And then madness hit, and then there was a low again, and madness hit again. (laughs) So, So how is I can catch a very small break. How are things in Brazil? I'm sorry? How are things in Brazil right now? Like, are you still under lockdown? Oh, yeah, no, it's actually pretty, um, I'd say it's hectic, but at the same time, it's it's hectic in many levels, I, I, I think, because it's only, uh, for example, in my city, uh, which is, you know, the biggest city, it's called Sao Paulo, it's like 20 million people or something, and there is literally 20% of, of people doing quarantine. The rest are just walking around, uh, working reg- normally, of course, the employers aren't helping, <laughs> demanding that people go out of their, ha- you know, leave their houses to work. And for instance, in, you know, nationally, we haven't had a health minister, like officially a health minister for over a hundred days. <laughs> and it's just the interim one. I know that he quit. Yeah, it's crazy because it's they're handling the, the the pandemic really badly, of course. There's just oh, there's ha- there has been so 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 many deaths and and you know people getting uh, I don't know how you call them actually. It's just the, the effects of the disease even mm-hmm. af- even after they uh, heal and yeah, I think so. And mm, it is insane. But then at the same time, it's crazy because in you know colleges and high schools and everything a few of the teachers thankfully none of mine but a few of the teachers are were were like oh since you'll have all this time at home let's just up your content and you can study and it's fine (laughs) 
and it's not fine. Why would they do this? And yeah, not no one is working. No one is uh, doing this very well. The governors too, they're insane. They only did lockdown, I think, at the beginning for like a month or two, and then whatever, you know, every man for himself. Everyone was so. Not wearing masks, carrying on with his rallies and stuff. Like everyone was flabbergasted. Like, what is Brazil doing right now? Like, why is the president not taking it very seriously? Yeah, I know. It's just the the leaders are oh whatever. <laughs> just the economy can't crash, but then it crashed anyway. <laughs> and now, and, and it's as if they really think the economy is worth more than people's lives. They truly think that. I, I think. Every, I guess. Everywhere, like India. It's insane. Brazil, because Brazil has the third highest number of cases in the world now. India overtook it a few days ago, and United States yeah. remains number one. And everywhere you look, okay, yeah, lockdown is done, but we need to save the economy. The economy comes first, and they're like, okay, the people. Will, I think guess I guess people will just die then. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's awful, <laughs> and it's of course not to mention the the whole of the co- the countries that have managed to escape the pandemic is like you know New Zealand and Germany and stuff and it's just countries led by women and you're like mm, maybe there's something there <laughs> but yeah yeah the oh I think the first time yeah the first time that I actually left the house it's because I had to do this uh medical testing for for my new job because I'm an English teacher <laughs> and of course I'm teaching online. It's completely virtual, but they had me do a little test as in to say, oh, okay, I am good to work. And I went to this clinic and on the street, like everyone, there was, there were so, so few people wearing masks properly. Most of them were, you know, on their mouths, <laughs> leaving their noses out or just on their chin. People were eating and drinking on the street and it was just so many. And I was I was terrified. I was like, why am I so desperate to be back? I mean, to, so, ah, uh, it was, why did I want to go out? This is awful. The worst thing was, <laughs> terrifying. Well, I was out running shows because I don't let anyone else go out. I go out, I run shows and everything. I'm the only one out of my, in, from my house that goes out. And I was out I was running mm-hmm. shows and I was at a store and there was a guy and m- must have been 24, 25 years old and he was not wearing masks and we were just talking. And you're like, oh, why do you believe this corona stuff? It's a conspiracy theory by the Chinese. I'm like, dude, come on. Oh, my God, no. Come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah. And the worst thing is always we'll die. But because of them, we will also die. Because our survival, our health, it depends on other people. We don't have, we, we can't be selfish right now. Yeah, so many people are like, oh, it's fine. It will only affect old people and like people with asthma or whatever, but it's like, don't you have grandparents <laughs> or <laughs> friends who have, I don't know, my sister has a friend who has a severe uh, lung problem. It's not even asthma, it's something else that I don't recall the name. And her entire family is going out normally, just working, <laughs> wearing masks day in, you know, uh, one day they wear masks, the other they don't. And it's just, oh, whatever. And she's just losing it in her house. She's like, how am I going to, how have I lived this far? And oh, I survived. Yeah, and it's also the conspiracy theorists. The conspiracy conspiracy theorists are the, the weirdest the, the, for me. It's like, why would you doubt it? 
there's no point. It's of course only the people who don't believe in science that are not gonna believe in this, but it's it's insane. Don't you see the people dying? <laughs> it's just wow. So many people yeah. have, I mean around myself, like around me. Yeah. How many people have gotten infected? So many. How many people have lost members of their families? And still you're not taking it seriously. Like where I'm from, it's a small city, Jammu and Kashmir, Srinagar in Jammu and Kashmir. And still wow. 1,600 people are getting infected every day. And still people are not, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, come on, take it seriously. People are getting infected. People you know are getting infected. People are dying. A six-month-old yeah. died a couple of days ago. He was the youngest fatality in our state, in our union territory. Sorry. Oh, my God. And people still are not taking it seriously. It doesn't matter whether you're healthy or not, whether you have any pre-lying con- existing conditions or not. You will. It affects everyone differently. Yeah. Absolutely. My, I think my, um, my aunt and her family, they had it, but then her husband and her son didn't really show any symptoms, but then she ended up getting really sick and she's fine now. But on the, I think the second day that she was apparently, uh, you know, infected, she went to visit my grandma (laughs) (laughs) and everyone in the family, because they live in a different city, right? Mm -hmm. So my mom here, she was calling them all the time. She was are you insane? Why did you visit our mother? What are you doing? <laughs> it's just, it was chaotic. And thankfully, my grandma didn't catch it. But everyone was just losing their minds. And the other aunt, hasn't, whose husband is one of the, the conspiracy theorists and, you know, far right guys who are just, oh, the president says it's okay. It's just a little flu. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that aunt, she also is like, oh, mom, come over. Let's have a party. Let's have a barbecue and whatever. And my grandmother's eventually just kind of caved in. And I'm like, grandma, not you. <laughs> so it's just, uh, I can't, like, I try to look at things a little bit more on the lighter side, but it is so hard. So they don't make it easy at all. And the worst thing is, like, okay, people are not taking it seriously, but it's not going away anytime soon. We are stuck with it. No, exactly. It's not going away anytime soon. And people are getting reinfected also. Like, it's not like chickenpox or something. Like, you get you get infected once and you then form immunity and you won't get infected again. It's not like that. You will get infected again. There are reinfections, there are stuff. So... There's until unless you wear a mask, you take care of yourself, you just so just put a dis, put distance between you and other people, you will not survive. You will not survive. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Even when you know herd, what do you call it? Uh, immunity, yeah. herd immunity starts to kick in. Some people are just gonna <laughs> keep getting infected and die, and because people don't pay, they don't, they are not careful enough. It's literally, I look out the, my window and it's just a bunch of people on the street taking their dogs out for a walk, you know, jogging or whatever. And like two of them most have masks on and it's, wow, (laughs) it's, it's chaos. I think, I think that that is very telling of, of the political climate of my country, as well as of course the United States, which is also chaos. So I don't know, it's just very frustrating because then I see people, because you know, I'm a I'm somewhat politically engaged, and then I see the 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 other politicians like from the leftmost parties, and they are every single uh you know live that they do or or live stream or mm-hmm. or anything, they reinforce the importance of the masks, they reinforce the importance of uh healthcare mm-hmm. and how you know how that how this affects everyone and how this affects the poor people the most and you know 
because they have to go out to work and and it's just it's so much easier because you look at them and you're like yeah okay yeah you're right <laughs> and then the ones who are actually in power are like oh whatever just go die it's fine i don't care and it's very frustrating <laughs> there was a meme a couple of like a little while ago i saw it on twitter like how can you know about the far right people like how can they be pro life they wanted to kill grandma for economy a little while ago how can they be pro life <laughs> right yeah oh my god this is there is an insane story that it's like it's not even a little bit funny but it's just it's just so shocking because i think i don't know a couple of months ago there was this pregnant lady here in brazil very carefully doing quarantine you know not talking to anyone just in her room in her house not getting contact with anyone and she was i think almost to turn you know on the ninth month and her freaking family went and did a like surprise party for you know like giving stuff for the baby or something i don't remember how that's called in, in english like a baby shower right and one of the people in the baby shower had corona and she caught it and died and just people are so careless it's like i don't even know if her if her child survived but it's just it just hits so hard because there is absolutely no care they are like oh it's okay it's just a little gathering or whatever but it's she was literally pregnant it's it's a risk group what what, what were you thinking you know just send her something on the mail it's just uh awful it's absolutely awful so yeah <laughs> constantly outraged and and oof just oof Oh my goodness. Hello? 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 Oh, sorry. I think the connection broke. I mean, that's not how you say it. But anyway, <laughs> can you- I can Yeah, I can hear you now. All right. So tell me a bit about yourself. You're a teacher, but well, tell me a bit about yourself. Ah, uh, yes. I am an English teacher currently, but I am primarily a social sciences student i'm trying to be an anthropologist mm-hmm. but that's hard because i don't think i'm that suited for the academic environment but i like it i love anthropology it's great mm-hmm. uh but i'm also i don't know i hesitate to call myself a writer because i barely even you know it's not exactly my profession but i have written a few things i published one book Uh, and I'm currently writing another a, one. You're a writer. You have published one book. You're a writer. <laughs> It's just a little one, <laughs> and it was in a an <laughs> experimental editing house too. It's it, what? Even if it's a little booklet for something, I don't for a coffee maker or something. I don't know. You have written something. It's published. You're a writer. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I, I get that logic. <laughs> But yeah, like current <laughs> currently I'm considering myself a bit more of a writer because I'm working on a trilogy that's just taking up every ounce of my imagination and my my thoughts, which is fun. It's very What nice and very immersed. What is the trilogy about? Well, it's this a fictional world where well, I actually have a map for it it's very fun and <laughs> it's where it begins with this young la- young woman who is escaping something at first we don't really know about like we don't know what it is and she finds this group of elvish travelers and they accept to help her you know cross the ocean mm-hmm. and then they you know do a lot of things they get 
they fight sea monsters and eventually she gets mixed up in politics too because you know <laughs> drawing from experience <laughs> and it also gets heavily involved in the elvish culture and, mm -hmm. and it's also a, a bit of a um, of a way to use my interest in anthropology in something that's a little bit easier for me because writing fictional things is just it just comes a lot more easily mm -hmm. than having to study and do anthropology work and ethnologies and things so it's really fun. It's really cool. <laughs> no, how has it been going? How has the writing been going so far? It's been, sometimes it's a little difficult, honestly, but since I'm writing the two first books sort of at the same time, I can really look at them, you know, something that happens later on has to be, you know, ha I have to write what happens before to have that build up. And then when, what ha happens before I have to write later so that it reflects on that or people remember it. So it's just, I, I do everything at the same time. I still don't know what I'm going to do with the third book, honestly. But the, <laughs> the first two, they have, they're getting some shape and, and some story. And I just love my characters. They're cool. They're really great. <laughs> One of the elves specifically, she's my favorite character that I have ever created. And she's so sassy. I love her. <laughs> Does the trilogy have a name or still thinking about it? I don't, I'm not sure, honestly. I don't think, I don't think so. I think the first book is just going to be called Black Sea because that's the name of the ocean they're going to cross. But otherwise, no, no idea. <laughs> well, I wish you all the luck and I wish that, I hope to read it soon. Like I'll say like, I hope to read it soon, sometime soon. Thank you. It's my first book in English, so <laughs> I'm trying really hard. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about your favorite album. Yes. And am I pronouncing... nice uh, I, I was about to massacre the name. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and okay, it... now give it a give it a go. Give okay, it a go. So Close enough, yeah. <laughs> it's Clubida Esquina. It's and it's translated to Corner Club, if because I when I was reading about it, it is it, does it translate to corner Corner Club? Is my translation right? Is Google yeah? <laughs> okay, has Google Pay? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah, Corner Club basically. Yeah, Club of the Corner, <laughs> Corner Club. It's oh, it's so good. Okay, so like I had no idea about this album. I had no idea about Portuguese music in general, and I'm pretty sure that many people who listen to this album don't. So take it away, give us an introduction about this album, give us a, an introduction about the artist, give us an introduction about this album. Take it away. Yes. Okay. So Clube da Esquina is an album, I think, from 1972, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, 72. Great. And it's, it's by Milton Nascimento, who is one of the most famous, I think, still, or at least prominent Brazilian artists, I think, of, uh, I wouldn't say ever, but probably ever. <laughs> and he, the Club de Esquina thing was basically he getting together with another musician friend of his who was Lo Borges and a couple more people, including I think one of the best bassists that this country has seen in a while. And they, I don't know, just creating this music and getting a feeling, a feel for it. And it's something that we call MPB, MPB, which is Musica Popular Brasileira, Brazilian popular music. Mm -hmm. So 
it's a whole era of these really amazing musicians doing new music and inspire, taking inspiration from other, from multiple places. And in Mutual Nascimento's case, this album specifically, I think basically made him the Brazilian Beatles. <laughs> you know, this, this group, this, this group of people in that, that setting and the style a little bit is, it's so cool and really good and innovative, innovative, I don't know. And, oh, it's, it's just every song has their own universe, but then they meld together to create the whole album in a way that makes it this very impressive unit and something that at the time people were extremely excited about. And I think was also one of the most famous Brazilian albums, uh, at least to date. Mm -hmm. And so many other people have done, you know, covers of their, of theirs. I think Esperanza Spalding did a cover of his, which is not from this album specifically, but it's from another one. And I don't know, Leanne La Havas has songs that she, uh, ins that, that she specifically said were inspired by Milton Nascimento. So it's just, it, it kind of consolidated him as this incredible musician and his voice is honestly one of my favorite uh, male singer, singing voices. And it's very important to me because I listened to it a lot when I was a kid because my dad had this uh, collection of CDs that he would take to our car when we went places. And he put that one to play and he actually skipped a few of the songs that he didn't think were so cool. <laughs> and I just found out years later about the whole album. I, I thought I knew the whole album, but I didn't. <laughs> but then I listened to the rest and I also liked that a lot. And yeah, I just I just heard it so so many times as a kid, and it just is ingrained in my person. <laughs> and it's something also very interesting because at the time it, we were in the dictatorship, and it was a of course very tense and very difficult. But they kind of got together and made music anyways, and it was a way to deal with that reality, I believe. And it was freeing, you know, for them to do the song the songs for people to hear them. Uh, some of the lyrics, they had to be censored, especially in his later albums where he got a little bit more attention from the, the regime, he had to be censored. And it's just so marvelous in, in such a, a time of hardship, right? Mm -hmm. And it's something that encapsulates the, the feeling of the time of like the youth of the time and the slightly revolutionary <laughs> artistic -y youth and it's just something that we as Brazilians really feel at least you know me and the people that that I know who really like this album we, we just feel that the, the same feeling right and of course now that we are living in a hard in a hard time we we turn to different things and and you know different ways of connecting with each other but I remember actually one trip that I did I think 2018, it was just, you know, I went with my, with one friend of mine and in, and his group of friends. So it was kind of not left out, but not exactly included either. Mm -hmm. And there was this one girl who I had known before, who I had met before, but she was, you know, not really interested in talking to me, but I thought she was really cool. And at some point it was just the two of us and it was really awkward. And then I said, oh, could you put uh, Club de Esquina on like something from Milton? And she was, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we started listening to the, to the CD and singing all the songs together. 
And it was a very, very interesting moment. And it really made me understand how this, like what this album means to us and how it can really bring people together because it's not only from my childhood, it's definitely from other people's childhoods. And it's just, I don't know, it just, it kind of permeates this, this type of people's lives, like this type of person mm-hmm. in our lives. And it's just so wonderful. And I have, I have these really good experiences with it. So yeah. I think that's, that's it. <laughs> I, I talk about, a lot. No, no, it's, <laughs> thank goodness you do, because I want to learn more about this album, because I have read about this album and I read the translations of the lyrics, but really, you, uh, because I'm listening to you talk, I'll know more, because I don't really know, because I can't trust the translations of the lyrics. So you, I'm listening mm-hmm. to them, thank God that you're talking, because at least I'm learning, okay, what, what this album <laughs> means to someone who has lived through, or who lived this album, basically. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's also really interesting. I'm going to go on a rant again. Go on, go on, go on. I mean, (laughs) for me personally, uh, of course, this is my favorite album just because when you asked, I was like, oh my God, that's such a hard question. What, what could be my favorite album? Oh, so it's just the first one that came to mind. And it's weird because I don't actually listen to that much Brazilian music in general. Like I know a lot of the artists, especially of the NPB, you know, the mm-hmm. quote unquote good old days, but of mm-hmm. course there are many good ones nowadays, but I just don't really listen to them. It's not something that uh, kind of happened for me. I did used to listen to Milton and other ones like Tom Jobim, Elis Regina when I, was, when I was a kid because of my parents, but I just ended up going toward more American and British stuff and mm-hmm. some, and again, quote unquote, like world music, maybe like <laughs> ethnic stuff. I don't know. That's such a weird word, but I don't know. I like uh, some Malian music like Fatumata Diawara from, from Mali, uh, West Africa, or there's a bunch of, a bunch of cool, cool people and singers and artists and, and um, that just don't really have anything to do with Brazil that I really like. And it's just, I don't know, it kind of takes over my, my musical taste, especially stuff from the U.S. Uh, you know, Sujan Stevens and, um, of course, from the U.K., there's Jacob Collier that I love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't, I don't really think about some Brazilian music because I just don't listen to it very often. But then there, there comes my favorite <laughs> album, which is Brazilian. <laughs> so that makes me feel a little bit better about not knowing that much of <laughs> not knowing that much about Brazilian music, because it's something also, again, as a person who is in university and in, in these like more quote unquote again cultural circles and uh, just you know very engaged students with with our culture and politics and everything, there is very much a culture of praising and and a very I don't know it's just this type of person usually is stereotyped as someone who listens to Brazilian music a lot and I don't do that that much <laughs> so sometimes when they ask me about songs when they when they pl- put stuff on and they're all singing and jamming and I'm just okay all right never heard this before sounds great <laughs> so it makes, it makes me feel a bit awkward sometimes or you know I can, don't really I don't usually put songs that I like on when we used to meet <laughs> because it's just 
oh, maybe they won't like it or something. And it's not like I'm, you know, oh no, their music taste isn't as good as mine. Like that's not the, the thing. It's just, I ended up, yeah, I just ended up having these different interests and like, I'm not gonna put Oregon on, which is, <laughs> right? It's just, they're not gonna like it. It's instrumental. I'm not allowed and, to put music in the car when I'm traveling with my family. I'm not allowed to put music in the car because I find my music too depressing. So I'm not allowed. Okay, Doria yeah, is not going to put on music. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, it's difficult. It's like in my family specifically, uh, both my parents are musicians. Actually, my dad is a percussionist and my mother is a pianist. She's more of a music teacher now. And my dad worked a lot with directing music in the theater, like musical director. But mm -hmm. music has always been an incredibly present thing in my life in many different types of music also. Like I listen to the mystery of Bulgarian voices in the car as well. <laughs> and it's amazing. I love that till today. It's incredible. <laughs> but and I, I also took choir for a little while because I have a twin sister, right? So we mm -hmm. just went to choir together and then we learned the same songs and sang together to practice and it was very fun. <laughs> so um, it's just something that and I, you know, we like to harmonize together sometimes. So it's something extremely extremely present in my life and then of course it's also present in other people's lives but then I see mm -hmm. that there's that difference of you know which songs which type mm -hmm. of music so when we put stuff on in my house it's just my dad and me mostly my dad and I my sister sometimes listens to her stuff but she prefers to listen to them you know by herself or maybe mm -hmm. when she's doing her stuff she puts her earphones on but my dad and I no we just put whatever we want to listen to and it's on the laptop and everyone can hear it and that's it <laughs> and sometimes when I put stuff that I like my dad just gives me a look and he's like are you seriously gonna put that on <laughs> like would you not prefer putting on some I don't know like Rafi uh, Shankar anything <laughs> Because he doesn't like my many of the, the stuff. Like even Jacob, like Jacob Macaulier, he recognizes that he is very good technically, but he's like, I don't care for his music. <laughs> and then I look at him and I'm like, okay, just like your, you know, contemporary music. I, I think Ligeti is fine, but I don't care for it. <laughs> so it's just, it's very weird sometimes, but... Yeah, I think I think also Mizunasimento and this this album in particular is something that always unites us and like is a very important intersection in our music taste, I think. Not only because I've heard it all my life and because he used to like it as well, but it's just I don't know, we we know the songs and we love them and it's it's it gives off always a great feeling, you know. Like when my dad sometimes he gets a bit grumpy because I won't let him put songs that he likes <laughs> because I'm just I'm, okay, I'm like, no, I'm doing my stuff. I want to listen to this because it helps me concentrate and he just like rolls his eyes. And then when I don't when I'm like, okay, let's let's treat the grumpiness first, I just put on Milton Nascimento, like whichever one shows up first and he feels better. <laughs> so it's really fun. And yeah, I think that music is basically one of, uh, I don't know if I had to choose like my top three most important things ever, it, it would be music and writing and my family and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to be happy, music, writing and my family. 
Oh, yeah, okay. pretty much. And like, it is good to be have friends. I like, I love my friends. It's great <laughs> to have, you know, people like I, I'm crushing really hard on this girl right now. We love talking about music and books and everything. But if I had to choose, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and Vitona's mate is just an incredible, I think, conversions of all that. <laughs> now there are two songs of this album because I did read the translations of other songs but there are two songs there are 21 songs it's a big album three part album 21 tracks in this album but oh, there are yeah. two songs i couldn't find their translations like and i'm sorry if i'm not pronouncing it correctly estrellas mhm estrellas like, i couldn't find the translation so what does it mean what does oh, it wait mean? i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to google it <laughs> because, because sometimes <laughs> oh, sorry, I cut you off. Sorry. Okay, it is today. I went. I want the most beautiful rose there is when the first star shows up to decorate the night of my loved one. Today, I want the. I want a peace like a child, a peacefulness like a child sleeping. I want the abandonment of flowers blooming to decorate the night of my loved one. So it's basically. all those beautiful things and the joy of a boat returning and tenderness of hands meeting and the love the deepest love and all the beauty in the world just to make his loved one's night beautiful so i mean it's a short song it's i think only half a minute long it's a small song only one verse but i couldn't find it oh my god i got the wrong song i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> i have i oh my gosh i can't believe this it's just because i have heard all of most of his i haven't i haven't heard all of his songs but i've heard a lot of them and then when i just look at when i'm like yeah okay that's it <laughs> i know this one so okay no it, it also because that one also has the 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 word star in it so estrellas means stars oh. but Yeah, um so I was very confused but seemed about right. <laughs> but that other song too is um I'm going to do being the night of my loved one is also very beautiful, but it's not from this album. So, let's see. Star star how to be like that so alone, so alone and never suffer. To shine to shine almost by mistake to leave to leave and to be what you are. In the naked body of the constellation, you are you are under one of your hands. and you come and you go like a flat not exactly a flashlight but uh i think uh, a lantern in the cold wind from some place it's good to know no, that you're please. part of yeah it's just de lugar qualquer it's just from any place from a random oh, place okay. uh it's good to know that you're part of me just as you are part of the mornings it is better to be able to enjoy the peace that you bring here I sing I sing so I can see you in the sky in the sky like a balloon I sing and I know that you see me too here here with this song mm. So that's also very pretty I didn't remember that <laughs> And there's another song and Os Povos I'm sorry Oh uh, the song is Os Povos I think I'm butchering it but I I hope you get the idea Os Uh I didn't get it. I'm sorry. One second. O S space P O V O S. Os what? <laughs> <laughs> I have to look for Clovidiskin specifically because 
One second. Oh my gosh, where is the track list? Google, come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. It just led me straight to the group one. Okay, album. Have to specify. Uh, is it Dos Cruces? Ah, Os Povos. Yes, that one. The people. The peoples. You know, like different uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> one second. Let me get that translation as well. Uh, where is it? Okay. In the edge of the world, Iron Gate, Dead Village, a crowd. My people, my people. I didn't wish to know what I don't. I didn't wish to know what is new. Never again. Eh, my city, uh, Dead Village, Golden Ring, my love. In the edge of life, we become no. We meet <laughs> again alone. Uh, il illuminated house, Iron Gate, lock heart and I reconquering walk past walk past and die near your eyes golden ring birthday my love in my city in my city we learn to live alone oh one day any day of warmth is always another day to re of remembering of the the mountain range of dreams that the night uh, put out a, my city, Golden Gate, Dead Village, Solitude. My people, my people, village, lock, heart, and I reconquering, walk by, walk by, walk by, I'm sorry, walk by and die. <laughs> In, within your arms, we learn to die alone. My people, my people, for the city to live alone. Yeah. What <laughs> means my people? The peoples. It's the peoples because it's, you know, one people, two peoples. I don't know. But yeah, this one really, I think, hits me a little more uh, than Estrela, Estrelas because of the whole feeling of, of the, the oppression and the loneliness and the pain. Because a lot of people during the dictatorship, as I mentioned, they were just vanished <laughs> you know the the military kidnapped and tortured and killed a lot of people and they didn't tell anyone you know the the, the, the victims families they most of them to this day don't know when their their relative died where they're buried they have no idea what happened so i think that is a little bit more you know about that time and and seeing maybe the empty houses or, or the empty villages and how many people have died than, than the sweet the sweeter side, which is Estrellas, which is, you know, just making things beautiful for my love. So, which, no, that's actually the other one. <laughs> but actually Estrellas is also a little bit lonelier. It's actually a little bit lonely too. But it's, I think, more hopeful, too, because when you see the star, even though it's all lonely and cold and far away, it's so beautiful and shiny and, and you know, glowing. And you can see it from here. So that means that, you know, it's there's still some hope, I think. Mm -hmm.
So no, I when I was reading the translation and I was reading about this album, I think it's safe to say that one of the themes of this album is okay. We need a revolution. We have a re- we we are wanting a revolution and we are looking towards better days. Is that yeah. something? To, think... is, is that right? Is is that I'm am I right to assume that? I w- I would say so, especially because you know Mutong as uh, you know a black man from you know sort of countryside towns and everything. When he he's actually he was actually adopted by a white family. Yeah, one of the songs in the album actually Lilia is uh, his adoptive mother's name. So I think I think at least I think so, and it's something that. I think resonates with him because he saw the uh, the hardships that the other people that you know didn't have it so lucky I think and also one of the other songs Train de Doido it's a uh, crazy people's train basically and it specifically talks about the the manicomian manicomian no that's not right um I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm an English teacher. Sometimes I even forget words, but uh, the asylums. I think right. The asylums, because of course the dictatorship. There was an, another way of dealing with people that they didn't want uh, around was sending them to asylums, and so they were pretty much. They were pretty much um, concentration camps, sort of mm-hmm. very like a little toned down, maybe. But they were just sent there and. Sometimes I think even a friend of my dad's or maybe, yeah, there's a story that a friend of my dad had, um, of my dad's had an older brother who was a little bit more engaged in maybe uh, some communism and not exactly guerrilla, guerrilla because we had some guerrilla fighters. They were called MI8, I think. And, but he was involved in some heavy communism. So the, someone who lived near him like denounced him to the the military mm-hmm. and they took him to an asylum and then he came back a completely different person he was not crazy but he came back and it, it was just kind of a a shell of a man i don't really i don't under, i didn't really get it because my dad didn't tell it you know so specifically but i'm assuming that he was maybe lobotomized and it, it just sounds so, so awful. And Trenji Doido is, is, you know, literally the train where they took the crazy people to these asylums to be treated, but basically to be, you know, dispatched, <laughs> to, to be taken away from society. And that was a fight that was very difficult to, to rage, I think, to wage, because I think... After after the dictatorship, there was still a lot of malpractice in asylums and and homes and things because there was there's there was only oh my gosh I can't remember when it was but it was not that long ago that they started having more um, proper like places <laughs> for for psychological psychologically mm-hmm. challenged or, or you know people so Trenji Doido is is that one that when I heard it first I was just like oh yeah okay crazy but when I when I understood it I was like oh no (laughs) and 
Yeah, because people knew, like people basically knew that there was something going on and there people were just being sent to these places. And it wasn't even that many, but there there was definitely something. And yeah, they they either became one of the ones that never came back or they came back sort of weird. So it's also something that good old, you know, sexism benefited of <laughs> because <laughs> when women uh, especially the ones that were apparently communist, they, they were sent there and then the, the husbands would be pretty well off, especially if they were part of the military. So yeah, that was, it was dark days, <laughs> dark days. And how are things in Brazil right now? Like how are things? Yeah, it's, there are a lot of people who want those dark days to come back and say it very explicitly they go oh it was so good when the military was in power or like oh but they voted for bolsonaro because he used to be a military and bolsonaro legitimately said oh i i i support torture yeah totally torture them he literally said that and people cheered him on and yeah so i think one of his sons even said oh there's no point of torturing you should just kill them just kill them and yeah it's just <sighs> it's sort of baffling isn't it like 10 years ago if you would have had this conversation we've said oh no one will elect such people it's, it seems something out of a dystopian novel or a movie like no one will there's no way such people can come into power and now look anywhere look in india look in brazil look in russia look in the u.s such people are yeah. in power such yeah. people are in power who would have thought yeah <laughs> it's it's pretty insane honestly it's just especially thinking that like you know the the previous governments and stuff but they like i personally have my criticisms because i'm sort of to the left of them and i think that they have um i don't know they did a bit too much to accommodate the bourgeoisie and to you know be more appealing to the higher classes as mm -hmm. a government but they did a lot of good too you know it's not that they they've you know fucked it up completely so it's <laughs> just that they took the people and the poorer people and they, they literally took us out of the the hunger map basically they ended um the severe hunger that, that that was happening here and lifted people out of poverty and because of that people sort of change their mindset because when when they see oh, okay i'm better off than i used to be so that means that i am at the level of the people that used to you know shit on me so now i can demand more things and um i and legitimately think that i am on the same level as these people when they were not in that and the fact that we have re retrogressed no that's not the word we, we, I don't know, it's, <laughs> we, we've <laughs> walked a few steps back, it kind of proves that because the people who were better off now are in a worse situation again, because they, they went against the government that was like minimally worried about them, literally doing the minimum to just like maintain them alive <laughs> and, <laughs> and brought upon this insanity, which is near fascism. Like it's not, they, it's just the fact that these men and you know, the, not only the president and his goons and everything, but just all of the people who are 
super chill with this government and everything. They they looked at Bolsonaro saying, yeah, no, I think uh, gay people aren't people. And like, oh, absolutely women should not uh, receive their their minimum their minimal rights and like what black people come on like <laughs> oh he, he literally said said at some point he went to visit a uh, quilombo which is uh this sort of mainly black community that actually stems from the time of uh, slavery because a lot of runaway slaves would create these communities to you know be free basically but also to defend themselves from the portuguese and then after some time they were quote unquote liberated but at the same in the same way that in the us they were um unlike people the ones in the us actually because the ones in the us us i think got some land right they got a little bit of land mm -hmm. just a teeny tiny yeah. bit but here they have absolutely no help they were just left to their own devices, no land, no money, no, you know, opportunity, no structure, nothing. It was just, oh, whatever, let's just get this over with and fuck all y'all. So <laughs> when that happened, the people who were in the Quilombos, they were already a little bit better established. So they just kept it going. <laughs> and nowadays it's uh, still very, most of them are not that well off. Like they're just... Um, not even countryside communities. They're just, they're usually near forests and things. So they're very, some of them are even um, a little more similar or some of them have gotten some collaboration from indigenous villages too. So it's a, it's a very interesting type of community and that has been here for a very, very long time. So I think they're very worthy of respect and they, they do a lot to maintain the culture of our country, I think. Mm -hmm. And then Bolsonaro, of course, went to visit one of them and went on um, the TV or something, I don't know, and said, oh yeah, I went to visit that. Like the, <laughs> he, he said the, the slimmest um, Afro-descendant because he didn't want to say black, black person, which for us, mm -hmm. ironically, like the, the more politically politically correct term is negro and the least politically correct term is preto so sometimes uh the ones who would normally say preto in like that pejorative pejorative negative <laughs> manner they say <laughs> yeah they say afro-descendant as a way of like oh look i'm not saying that word but still definitely being negative about black people um they he said oh and the slimmest one was like 15 tons and they do nothing all day and they don't even like they they're not even good for reproduction and it's just so invasive and and prejudicial and disgusting and so many people were like yeah totally <laughs> and the rest of us were like what the hell is going on and he said that you know oh i had four sons and the fifth time i I was a I was a bit, bit weaker, you know. I weakened out, and and a daughter came out. A daughter came out. Like the fifth time, he was weak, so it was a woman. It's just so many like little things that he kept saying, and he still says to this day, people are completely fine with it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. 
So not great. <laughs> and yeah, all of his statements about uh, the dictatorship and like minority groups, because in fact, here in Brazil, black people are the majority, for instance. So mm -hmm. there is literally no reason why we would be uh, such a dicky country to them, but we are. And yeah, it's awful. And And then, you know, he, all of the statements about, oh yeah, militaries are great and stuff. And he put a bunch of military men as his ministers dealing with, um, you know, the environment and everything. And the environment specifically- Oh yeah, just said fuck the, environment. He doesn't care about the environment. Yeah, just yeah, they, fuck environment. yeah, they <laughs> give the absolutely Amazon. zero shits, zero. And it's also the indigenous people. They have their reserves and stuff, but they're so small and they are- trying to make them smaller and not only that they are literally allowing um woodcutters i don't know how you call them like the, the madeireiros i can't i legit don't remember how that's said but it's like the the great latifundieries <laughs> again no idea <laughs> I, how I, that I, I got it i got it i got it yeah yeah like sometimes i i just know a lot of words and then the, the most basic ones that i would use to talk about my own reality i just have no idea <laughs> But yeah, the, these men, they like the government literally allowed them like officially to burn the Amazon rainforest because they wanted to make more money for themselves and for these men. And because of that are like, oh, okay, since there's like less wood now or like less uh, whatever, um, let's just make the indigenous reserve smaller for, for these guys. Let's, you know, help our brothers out. And it's just insane. <laughs> It's and he awful. did not allow any outside intervention too, right? No outside help. He did not accept mm -mm. any outside help. No. Mm -mm. If Trump had said, "Oh yes, I will help you," he would he would be like, "Yes, Daddy Trump, please." But no, uh, uh, no. Seriously, there are so many jokes about this that is it's even it's so normalized because Bolsonaro is like a bootlicker for Trump specifically. He love he just he just licks Trump's boots all day, and Trump doesn't care. He does not care. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's insane it's but it's I, very terrible but brazil it's, has been in news because i a couple of days ago like a couple of weeks ago actually there was a case in which a 10 year old girl was uh raped by her uncle and then people yeah. were protesting to know because they were protesting outside the doctor's office to not let the abortion happen because they were like okay we are pro-life we cannot let the abortion happen. like come on I was like come oh my god on. yeah that was so horrible. That was so it was so, so, so horrible. Because it was, it I, I I I read it here and it was all over the internet. Like what is happening in Brazil right now? Some female yeah, politician she leaked her info on Twitter. I don't remember her name. Some started from S. I Damaris. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah. So I, then then she leaked her information. The ten year old girl's information on oh. Twitter. Oh yeah, no, no, I know which one you're talking about. Her name is Sara something. Yeah, but yes. She calls herself Sarah from S. Yeah, yeah I know. Sarah from she S. calls herself Sara Winter, and she is like one of the ex-feminists. Oh, ex <laughs> but she is what one does of an the ex-feminist even mean? A horrible person, clearly, because <laughs> oh my god, she's honestly one of the trashiest human beings on on the the country right now, and she's like pretty much a neo-fascist currently. And she leaked the all the, the information and stuff. And mostly the evangelical people went to protest mm -hmm. because there that there there has been a surge of evangelical Christianism in the country for the past, I think, 30 years or so. I don't know, maybe more. 
and it's it's just everywhere you know I went to this bar the other month <laughs> literally <laughs> last year probably uh and it was you know in a slightly less um fancy region of the city as my college is and when I you know I went around the corner to go to a bakery to get some bread and stuff and literally around the corner just going past you know walking on those two blocks I saw five places where there was like um evangelical cult. that's not how you say it um like ceremonies and things and like they're they're places of worship you know and it's mm -hmm. just so many and they are brainwashing the people into like protesting <laughs> for a fetus in a 10 year old child to like Honestly, they don't care about like lives of women, lives of children. They just want this to happen. And it's just that other scandal thing about the, um, the congresswoman who is evangelical, a pastor and everything, who killed her husband. Like, that is oh, the Flo same Dennis, Flo Dennis. I think she, yeah. I read about her too. And that's so bonkers. The story is so bonkers. Like she no, was with her, one like of her adopted sons. Oh, it was so bonkers. The story is so bonkers. It's just like a soap opera. <laughs> My just, head hurt. My brain was hurting after I read the story. I was like, whoa. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that completely. But it's just when I found out about it and I read it, it wasn't that surprising because she was just one of those evangelical, diehard evangelical who have absolutely no touch with reality who was like oh uh, or spiritualism actually they're zero spiritual they're super materialistic <laughs> and and absolutely awful most of them not all of them obviously but mm -hmm. and um and she literally said that she did that because if she had divorced him it would be bad in god's eyes yeah. or it would like and it's, are, you, are you like you kill the person a pro <laughs> less forgiving of that than if you get a divorce <laughs> are you kidding yeah so and even like the protestant church itself was born out of henry the eighth wanting to have a divorce what is the matter like it's fine for you <laughs> so uh, it's just so bewildering all the time <laughs> just, she I don't had even... five children then she adopted 40 other children am i like am i mixing it up or am i yeah 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 I one second <laughs> And then she was with one of her adopted kids. Yeah, she had three biological kids. Then oh, she yeah. adopted five teenagers. And those mm -hmm. eight first ones were like the cream of the crop. And the mm -hmm. other like 50 kids were just left, you know, almost to, to their own devices. You know, like they were fed less or and like with worse quality things. And like they were, mm -hmm. I don't know, they were living precariously, <laughs> precariously. <laughs> and the, the eight first kids were like so good have it so good and one of them the 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 deceased was the first one of the first adopted five and he mm -hmm. dated yeah the the adopted sister daughter and then of mm -hmm. course of course the mother she the mother <laughs> snatched her daughter's husband her, her daughter's <laughs> boyfriend and made it made her made her husband for <laughs> whatever purposes and also a pastor so it's just it's very difficult for me to not be completely judgment, judgmental of that sort of 
person mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's the kind of thing that happens there. And you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? What in the actual hell? It's just, wow, all the time. I'm just, wow. You know, I but, would pay someone yeah. to make a movie on this stuff because it is, it will just, it will sell like gold, this movie. Ironically <laughs> enough, <laughs> ironically enough, there was a movie about her that was released in 2009 and it was about her whole journey of saving these oh, no. children. <laughs> and oh, Fleur de Lis, like one word can change everything. <laughs> and it's just her story of being this super good, incredible Christian person, like saving these children from pro poverty and giving them a home, a family, like bitch, no, come on, please. <laughs> so that, that would be an incredible sequel. <laughs> that would be an amazing I'm sequel. I will always be a little skeptical of people who are too, like, who portray themselves too religious. I'll always be a little skeptical. And that is, yeah. I think, that, that that's not right also because there are some good people who genuinely want to do good, who have good mm -hmm. hearts. But I'll always be like, oh, no, I have seen enough. I have seen enough for a life, lifetime. <laughs> no, there's all. Yeah. Too good to be true <laughs> sometimes. True. Yeah. And it's something also because, I don't know, from that experience, I sort of am more suspicious of people who are like overly religious because like if you're religious okay cool have, go on like be happy but if you make a point out of flaunting that and being overly like you know mm -hmm. get taking the the high horse and like oh i am better mm -hmm. than you because my religion blah 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 or like my morals etc and it's like mm -hmm. first it's my own like i don't know, people in my family like i have a bunch of people in my family who are very religious they go to church and everything and it's just they do it for themselves you know they want mm -hmm. to and they, they believe in that and they're more in touch with their spirituality it's like great congrats beautiful my father is, is a very religious person like more toward i think a cosmic sense of the word perhaps but <laughs> he you know and we talk about that a lot and it's just the people who are too reliant on the um, the institutions and like these these structures that have uh sort of maybe to some extent perverted religion in itself and mm -hmm. it's just it's very frustrating to see and, and trying to understand because how do they actually, like, do they really believe that they are, like, mm -hmm. what religion is supposed to be and, like, what it means? Like, are you serious? Because as, again, as a, someone who's trying to be an anthropologist and, like, reading and studying things, I did um, a few courses on, on different religions and different things. And it, it's so, so different. And it seems so much more legitimate than, than most of the ones that are happening in the Western and just, you know, this general canon of, of religions currently because they seem to have lost touch with like the sacredness of things, mm -hmm. you know? I, I read about the, um, like some indigenous religious religions in the Amazon near uh, Shingu River and they have a whole system and it's all about going you know, staying in touch with a mythical time where things were pure and everything was more correct and like doing things the way that they're supposed to be done as in, you know, how the first men did. And it's like, of course, very, not exactly basic, but that's like what you would expect of most religions, but they don't make it a point of like, oh, this is what we believe in. So we have to force it into other people people's lives you know they just do it because that's what they are that's that's a part of them and you know they they're fine with the other indigenous tribes who have other beliefs so <laughs> that's just the main <laughs> thing for me just just 
do your own thing. You know, don't try to <laughs> think about it. <laughs> don't try to impose on others. Don't try to yeah. impose on others. <laughs> exactly. And like even myself, like I consider myself an agnostic and like I would like to believe in something. That would be that would probably be very cool, but I just kind of don't. But I don't think it's my place to decide if something does exist or like doesn't. It's just I don't know. I'm a human. How am I going to know? <laughs> like I'm just a human. I'm just a person. <laughs> don't ask me to believe in anything <laughs> or to like decide. It's just I don't know. The universe is too big. I can't be the one to, you know, make that decision. But like if I want to do it for myself, okay. That's just something for me. But then I am for only everyone? responsible for myself. Mm. Don't that's too much pressure. Only responsible for myself. <laughs> Barely responsible for myself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah. Oh wow. That was a bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now it's time for some questions. Oh yes. <laughs> if you, if there was a someone was making a movie on your life, I said they are making a, the Beatrice story or something, your biopic. Oh. Let's say your biopic. Who would mm-hmm. you choose as the soundtrack for the movie? Who would you choose as the soundtrack to do the soundtrack for the movie? Oh my God. Um, I don't know. There's something that I have thought about and said to a few of my to a few of my friends because it just it just feels kind of right but i wouldn't say it's the whole soundtrack of the movie but specifically for me because i i feel like if i were a song i would be aurora by oregon which is the mm-hmm. you know the american band mm-hmm. of like instrumentalists beautiful and i really love that song and i feel the most myself when i listen to it it just feels so happy and so peaceful and and bright and ah it's great and like a sunrise which is aurora <laughs> but <laughs> but other than that i have no idea <laughs> it's just that one song i listen to it and i'm like yes this is great this is me and then uh, uh, everything else is just I don't know everything else just kind of melts into into what I I would feel like me. So I don't know. All right, so what listen what music have you been listening to these days? The mm, Hold on, I have to check on my YouTube playlist cuz that's <laughs> I just I just listen to to the my mix on YouTube. I have been listening to Vashti Bunyan a lot. Oh yeah. She's great. Uh, of course, Sufjan Stevens, good old Sufjan. Uh, some Oregon still. Uh, some Aurora, the Norwegian singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ravina, I, I was listening to her a couple of months back. She's uh, an American, Indian American singer who is very soft and cute and reminds me a little bit of, of Sufjan and Aurora sometimes. She's just such a good, ah, she has a, such a good vibe. Uh, Leanne Le Havas, her new album. Uh, let's see if, what, what I can find here. Uh, Jacob, his new album as well. Jacob Collier, great, love it. Some medieval English songs, like, idea how to pronounce this. <laughs> Midi tis while summer last. I don't know. Married is, <laughs> but it's not like a particular artist. <laughs> um, 
I don't know, there are a few songs there. It's a specific channel. I can't, yeah. But I like, and yeah, I think that's it. Like a couple of months ago, I was listening to a lot of the Bulgarian choir music that I mentioned and some more folk like Johnny Mitchell and John Baez. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, what else? Yeah, I think I, think I just... I just listen to a few things at a time, you know, like I obsessively listen to some things and then I move on to obsessively listening to the other ones. Sometimes I go back and forth and it's, yeah. So I think that's it for now. All right. Next question, which is a bad movie, which has a good soundtrack. Ooh. I have, oh my God, I don't know. I don't, Weirdly enough, I don't watch a lot of movies. I like I like them, but I don't watch that many. I end up watching more. Oh, I don't know. I can only remember like the good... hallmark. Like the hallmark for a bad movie with good soundtrack is Twilight. Like that is the number one for me. Like first oh. movie, like pathetic movie, but has a great soundtrack. So which is like a bad movie with a good oh. soundtrack. Oh my god, mine is a blank. No. <laughs> um, oh Jesus. Mm. I don't know. There was a movie that I watched this week, which was Netflix's new rom com thing, which I think is it was weird, but it was okay, but it wasn't like great at all. And which rom com thing Netflix release? The half of it, maybe? I... Are you talking about the half of it? I that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, the half of it is fine. I liked it. Like, it's <laughs> weird, but it has, yeah, it does have a good soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, I just, it's the half of it is the one with the Asian girl who likes the, yeah. the lady who yeah, her friend likes, right? Someone else, yeah. Text on him on his behalf. Yeah, that's straight up catfishing. It's just, it's not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> just it's not right. Please, no. You're giving bisexuals a bad name or lesbians in her case. I don't know. <laughs> just, oof. I felt attacked. But I, um, yeah, that one, that one has a good soundtrack, I think. Right? Oh, it, does, it has a good yeah. soundtrack. It has a good soundtrack, yeah. I remember actually. I don't know, because sometimes I pay attention very closely to the soundtrack at all. So that's that's the one that I that I think would, would be a good one for that. Like I good I one, liked yeah. the movie, but it is bad in the sense that it's like, yeah, catfishing. So <laughs> it is a... <laughs> like I wanted to find it cute, but there was a part where I was like, okay, like it's not okay. How what you're doing to that one? It's yeah. not okay. It's not okay. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Difficult, very difficult. All right, so let's skip this question because I don't think we are going to get an answer to this question. So let's just skip this question. I'm curious um, now. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like even if I don't answer, I just want to know which one it is. <laughs> okay, so which ones were like? Let me just rack my memory. The kissing booth, maybe I don't know. The kissing booth, part one and part two. They, oh, they I haven't did. watched that one. I haven't watched either, but they come pop up on my Netflix feed when I open it. So. I'm I'm just I going see. to name romantic comedies on Netflix romantic comedies. Which one was? Oh, the step up there. This a dance comedy came out a couple of days ago. 
Oh, I haven't watched that either. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I misunderstood you when you said, oh, let's just skip this one because I thought you were reading another one and wanted to. But you mean the one we're on right now, which is the soundtrack one. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but now I'm curious, like, which movie are you talking about? Because now there's a, a scratch in my head, like, I want to figure I out don't... which movie it is. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, there's the it's a new one. It's called Love Guaranteed and it's uh this lawyer lady who um who's like super cool but also very sad because she's alone and simply you know buried in work. But he's like I want to sue uh <laughs> because I went on almost a thousand dates and they and like none and then she's like, okay, but just because I need the money. And then they, of course, <laughs> fall in love. So oh, that, that, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was very weird. The guy, the, the guy who plays coach in New Girl, is he's in this. Yes, so the that one. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen this either. I, I, it was just very weird to me. <laughs> yeah, because it's because... I don't know. It's just oh, this lady who is so like smart and whatever, and then all she needs is a guy. And like I know that they <laughs> legit tried to not make it sound like that, but it was weird. Like none of them have any defects. Like they misjudged <laughs> each other, and then actually they're both incredible people, and like no faults in either of them. And they both just want what's you know they both want what's best, and like. It it was weird. It was a little weird. And they had great chemistry up until the end of the movie when they kissed. It it was so weird. Like after the kiss, during the kiss, their chemistry just vanished. It was so weird. It was so weird. You know what? I am a fan of rom-coms, but there hasn't been a good rom-com for years, for years, for years. I'm a fan of rom-coms, but I haven't seen a good rom-com in years. Yeah. Like, which was the Weird. good one? <laughs> like, which was it? I can't think. I legit don't know. Uh, is, I don't watch a lot of them, but I have no idea. Is Booksmart a rom-com? No, Booksmart can't be considered a rom-com. It's too... Uh, maybe About Time? I don't know. Is About Time a rom-com? It's more of family, but it's a good movie. Great. Oh, yeah. I like About Time. It's- yeah. I have That's seen really nice. it. At okay, least, yeah. I'm not exaggerating, but at least 20 times I've seen that movie. At least 20 times. Completely understandable. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> there are three movies which I can watch any uh, number of times, and I don't get bored. About Time is one of them. Mad Max Fury Road is one of them. Mm-hmm. And The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the David Fincher one, is one of them. And I can watch them any number of times. I don't get bored. Ooh. I only watched about time out of the the three of them. Dude, you See, have it's to like, watch two. You have I to know. watch. I have... know. It's like there are so many movies in my to watch list, but then uh, I don't get to any of them. <laughs> and then I want to rewatch Whale Rider, which I watched when I was like thirteen. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't you even said that know. You don't watch much movies. I have to watch more. Watch, so you watch. You don't watch a lot of movies, but do you watch a lot of TV? Yeah, like mostly Netflix stuff or popcorn time. <laughs> so what have you been binging re- recently? 
Mm, well, recently not much because my sister and I are both starting a new semester in college. So she's the one that I usually watch things with. But actually, I finished. I, I was. I've been watching some animation, like mm-hmm. uh, not children's cartoon, <laughs> which was <laughs> Owl House with my sister and a friend of ours. We we watch it on um, like you know one of those things where you can watch things simultaneously with people. We've watched Owl House, which is the one from Disney um, that Disney really got right. It's It's got a little um, ironically enough cartoon network feeling to it. <laughs> but And I think we watched The Hollow too. That was fun. That was good. The Hollow is a Netflix one. But um, I don't know. It was just cartoons that take our minds off of things <laughs> <laughs> all right now last question last question before i let you go last question oh, okay so much pressure if you had to rec- <laughs> pretty it's pretty simple question no worry about it if you had to recommend some music to people who are listening to this who, who will listen to this podcast if you had to recommend some music which one would it be oh wow um Obviously, Milton Nascimento. Just mm-hmm. go listen to him. Be it Club de Esquina or his other albums. There are some very good ones. Uh, Minas is a good one. Uh, in English, you would probably read it like Minus, but that's weird. <laughs> um, Jacob Collier is putting out some really cool stuff. Let's see. Mm, I don't know. I would only... Uh, I find it easier to... Uh, give out stuff that I like and that I listen to often, but it's it's just so hard to recommend things to people because there's also this other thing. Like I might go on another rant, beware. But <laughs> <laughs> there's thing because it's like I truly believe that it's like very important to define whether music is good or bad, independent of whether you like it or not. So it's just I like a lot of music that I don't think is particularly good. And I dislike music that I know is good, but just like I don't care. And I like music that I that I think is good, and I like and I like music and I dislike music that I think is bad. So it's just as a musician's daughter, that is a, an important distinction for me. But then people think that I'm attacking the taste, or, or think that you know that they don't like is trash because I don't like it, or or mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's a weird for me, but like. It's hard for me to determine how to recommend things to people because most of the people I've tried recommending music to are basically the ones that think, oh, uh, the stuff that I like is good and the stuff that I don't like, there, there's not even a question of it being good. Like, mm. it's just bad because I don't like it, so whatever. Mm. So, like, I tried making really a friend of mine listening. Listen. Yeah, I think it's... Like, a friend of mine, I tried to make him listen music I like I suggested Brian Eno and Midori Takada and all that and then he literally like he turned to me and was like that's horrible like legit the word horrible and I was just crushed <laughs> it was like it, no it's actually pretty nice and it's like an you know a, a more uh, complex spin on ambient music like elevator music so it's actually a bit nicer <laughs> but yeah sometimes I don't know how to recommend music to so I would say that that kind of stuff is cool if you want to, you know, study and concentrate a little bit more on this this insane insanity that is being in college and quarantine. So 
there's Brian Eno, Terry Riley, Harold Budd, Midori Takada is really cool. And then some really, really amazing uh, early electronic music ladies. There's Laurie Spiegel. I love her Expanding Universe album. It's just, when you go into that kind of stuff, it's just the very beginnings of electronic music and it's nothing like nowadays like electronic music and then you go and listen you're like wow this this shit is so good <laughs> and it feels so much i don't know it's really cool for me but i would say laura spiegel's great she's just very interesting um of course all the other ladies from that time that i don't remember all their names obviously but there's like pauline oliveros daphne Oram. she's actually i think the one who Oh no, Delia Derbyshire is the one who uh, made the first Doctor Who theme. So you know she's going to have that sort of (laughs) bleep bloop under energy. (laughs) Um, I don't know, like that kind of stuff that that if if I would have to suggest stuff for people nowadays in quarantine, but also Ravina. She's so, so cute and sweet and I love her. And her songs just just make me happy. And... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask you another question. I told you that I I'm going to break my rule a little bit, and I'm going to ask you another question. And this is going to be the last question because okay. I know that you're a writer. Mm-hmm. So and I am hoping that you're an avid reader too, because most writers I know are avid readers too. What? So, is there a book that you would like to recommend people? Are what? I'm sorry. Uh, like. Do you like to, do you read a lot? Avid readers. I used to read more, not going to lie. <laughs> I used to read a lot more, but then, I don't know, probably internet <laughs> fucked me up. <laughs> um, I know I sound probably like a boomer saying, oh, it was the damn computer, but it kind of was. <laughs> Dude, same, same, same. But exactly. a lot more. I don't read a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It was, oof. It, it, was, it used to be so good. I devoured books. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, hmm. If you had to recommend people one book. Um, oh, one? Yeah. Difficult uh, for you, one book. The Dispossessed by Ursula Le, Le Guin. All right. That's the first one that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. It's incredible. She's an incredible author. It was. I'm, oh, it was so sad. But All yeah, right. that's an amazing book. All right, Beatrice, I'm going to let you go now. Well, but thank you so much for oh. taking out the talking to me. You have classes, I guess, in, in an hour or so? Yeah, no, it's my class is at night, but I have to prepare it. Oh. I'm going to teach some advanced students. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Good yeah, thank you classes. so much. I'm yeah, sorry if you. I spoke too much. I. No, I no, love, no. I love talking. I had a lot of fun in this episode. I had a lot of fun this episode and learning new stuff. So Me too. that's always great. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. You too. Oh my God. How do I get out of here? Okay. Bye. I oh. just finished recording and that's it. Again, much thanks to Beatrice and thank you to all for listening. You can find all updates about the podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. 
be sure to follow the podcast at Q the Music. Until next time, bye bye.